Happy Friday, everyone. I am Joe Marcello, joined as always by my partners in comic book crime, Orrin Phillips. Hey, everybody. And Mike Farah. Hello, everyone. We are the Dollar Bin Bandits, and that's right. This is the Dollar Bin Bandits podcast, and we are here to help you usher in your relaxation for the weekend. Okay. Now, some of you, depending on where you live, you may be uh, in for some weather ahead of you. Uh, I wouldn't know. Uh, But at any rate, uh, this week, we are proud to bring to you our interview with Arville Jones. Now, he's had a pretty uh, great career in comics. His work spans 70s, 80s, and 90s. And you may know his work on All-Star Squadron, Superboy, Legion of Superheroes, and uh, Marvel's G.I. Joe, just to name a few. Yeah, he was also uh, one of the first people doing art for Milestone Comics with DC, and uh, really amazing stuff he's done for that uh, title as well. Another awesome solo joint by uh, Mr. Phillips on this one. <laughs> yeah, I uh, Arvel is currently sort of lauded for his creation of Misty Knight or co-creation of Misty Knight, character who has appeared in the Netflix uh, Marvel series and uh, hopefully maybe will be uh, back around as they move to, you know, Disney Plus and whatever. So... Yeah, his his work with Misty Knight and and on Iron Fist, the title was just uh, spectacular. And let's hear a little bit from the man himself. This is Arvel Jones, artist Arvel Jones. Uh, I've been looking forward to this for a while, and it's so good to have you on, sir. How are you? Doing good. You know, it's been a crazy little pandemic, but uh, <laughs> other than that, <laughs> You're coming through okay. <laughs> yeah, we're we're coming through okay. That's awesome. Well, there's so much uh, with your career, and I just want to start with the beginning because you came into the industry with almost like a Detroit crew of you and Al Milgram and other guys. You knew each other, and then you sort of all kind of broke in. How cool was it to be working with the, with friends of yours? Well, the interesting thing about that, it was sort of not really planned, but sort of planned to a certain degree. Um, uh, I had a... Uh, a comics club that not everybody from the group uh, was in, but we met them along the way. And we started meeting them at the Detroit Triple Fan Fair back in, I guess, 1966, 67. So, you know, all the artists, I sort of made a habit. If I saw a portfolio, I was, you know, I was pulling them over, you know, like, you know, like a state trooper. Woo! <laughs> Okay, here. Let me see what's in the bag. <laughs> Maybe it's more like a drug raid. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, they would show me their work. I'd say, hey, you know, this is pretty cool. Yeah, you know. So me and a couple of friends of mine are, you know, working together on a newsletter. And we're, uh, and uh, you know, I don't know what you're doing, but you might want to participate. You know, you meet some other folks. We share ideas, you know, and uh, so you know through that process. And then there was this uh, bookstore that I uh, frequently visited, which was not a comic book store back then; it was just a used bookstore um, called Abelman's Bookstore, mm-hmm. run by. Uh, uh, the deceased uh, uh, Tom Ochiller. Mm-hmm. And uh, he kind of had sort of a comic book section, really consisted of a couple of long boxes in the corner. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but uh, 
you know, I started working over there because I wanted half the books that he had, but I couldn't afford to get them all. So, you know, I volunteered to clean up his aisles and create signs for him. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I put some signs, started putting signs up. And then one day, uh, this tall, hippie-like guy comes walking in and I had taken some books that I wanted and placed them way up on the top shelf. Mind you, I'm only like, uh, you know, 12 or 13. So the way on the top shelf wasn't really that high for somebody who was taller. Uh, And uh, the person came in and pulled down the books and started looking at them. And I, I had walked away and I came back and I said, hey, those aren't for sale. He said, this is a bookstore. I said, yeah. He said, and you sell books, right? I said, yeah. He said, and I found them on the shelf. <laughs> and I said, yeah, well, you know, I kind of put those aside. He said, you hadn't bought them yet, right? I said, no, but I was earning my way to them, you know. So he says, okay. He picked about four or five of the good books out and then put the rest back up on the shelf and said, well, I'm just going to take these three or four. And uh, I said, well, let me see them at least. So he showed them to me. One was the private life of, uh, or the uh, secret life of Private Strong. (laughs) You know, Jack Kirby, Wally Wood. And another one was like, you know, that's the one I really remember. But a couple of the others were like Marvel, early Marvel uh, comics. And uh, I was saying, you know, I appreciate you if you didn't. He said, but I really want these. And I said, I know, but he said, so what do you do, work here? I said, yeah. So you're just an employee. I said, uh, yeah. <laughs> he said, well, you know, you're not the owner. And he went on to the cash register. Oh. And I was like, ah. <laughs> so the next time he came in, I accosted him because I had moved the books and everything. He went to look on the shelf and I said, looking for something? He said, yeah, where are the books? I said, I'm not telling you. <laughs> so he said, I'm going to tell your boss. And I said, I don't care. You know, and uh, so I asked him, he asked me, well, what's your name? And I said, I'm you know, the only black guy in the bookstore, but it's Arvell Jones. And he said, OK. And he says, well, I'm Rich Buckler. that's how we met and then you know there were just a whole bunch of those kind of incidents as we went along but uh rich uh i showed him my newsletter and he looked at it and said this isn't bad but the logo needs to be changed you need better artwork and uh some of your graphic design sucks but other than that (laughs) it looks pretty cool so i tell you what i'm gonna do i'm gonna do you the favor of doing a piece of art and you're going to put it on the cover. And I was like, <laughs> who is this guy? Anyway, uh, and he showed me some of his work. He came in with his portfolio and showed me some of his work. And I said, yeah, you could probably do a cover or something like that. It's kind of cool. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so that's how I met him. And, uh, you know, we we were fast friends for, for life, except I never could get that, you know, I was that prize say, is strong he, from me. Did he ever give it back to you just out of kindness or no? Well, he wanted it. You know, we were both big Kirby fans and it took me years to get another copy in. And I never found another copy in that kind of shape, awesome. you know, that I, that I could afford. But, it, <laughs> yeah, no. but I found a beat up copy that kind of worked for my needs. But, you know. <laughs> But I, I forgave him, you know. He's an artist. I'm an artist. He was a Kirby fan. I'm a Kirby fan. 
he could draw really well. I want to learn to draw as good as him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I decided to make a, a, not a big deal about it. And then one day I'm uh, at a comic con and uh, I see this uh, only other black guy that I'd seen at the convention. You know, this is back in, you know, like I said, in the 60s. And he had a huge portfolio. And uh, I said, excuse me, sir. <laughs> need you pull over right here by this piano and empty all the contents out of that portfolio. He said, who are you, the police? I said, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> and he opened it up and I looked at it and I said, hey, you're kind of good. Your work kind of looks like Kurt Swan, but you know, but you're kind of cool. You can draw. He said, I know I can draw. <laughs> and uh, uh, so he says, you got a portfolio? And I said, yeah. And I opened my portfolio and he looked at it and he says, you can't draw that well. I said, maybe we could partner sometime. He said, yeah, you can't draw well enough to partner with you. I said, dang. Uh, well, okay, well, maybe we can stay friends. And he said, well, okay, here's my phone number, you know, whatever. You can call me when you get ready. And that turned out to be Keith Pollard. Oh, <laughs> gee whiz. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, this kind of went on and on, you know, until I had about four or five really good guys. Mm -hmm. And I was giving them my newsletter and, you know, asking them if they want to contribute. And they started contributing. Um, one of the guys I went to school with and we were in school together and he used to always sneer at me. He showed me his great artwork. He's doing wonderful watercolors and things. And I was drawing superheroes and he was drawing flowers and pretty women and <laughs> mountains and, you stuff. know, stuff like that all the yeah. time. And I'm going, oh, yeah, this is good, you know, and everything. And then we never spoke too much. You know, you just we see each other in the hallway with high school together. Yeah. And then um, we both graduated together. And then years and years later, I'm at a comic book convention and this guy has a booth and I have a booth. And uh, so I walked over to his booth and just said, uh, so, uh, so you're doing comics now? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of I kind of uh, fell into what you were doing. Yeah. You know, it's kind of cool. I said, you didn't feel that way in high school. <laughs> and, you know, he was like, well, I learned the error of my ways. And I said, OK, his name was Michael Odomoto, you know, who, uh, you know, you know, it worked for, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of more independent comics. Right. But he had done a graphic novel like a little later for Marvel. Uh, I can't quite remember the name of it, but it had a character in it called Nexus. OK. And uh, I'm sorry, Noombus. OK. That was Noombus. And uh, that particular character had... Uh, had appeared in my fanzine because we used to do mostly I had artists in my fanzine. So it was supposed to be a newsletter, but it was you know, more of an art showcase book. Right. But we did get some uh, some uh, uh, classified information, which we could call a newsletter uh, later from uh, Roy Thomas and Nick Coletti and some other people would spill the beans sometimes. And uh, we put that in the newsletter. But, uh, you know, uh, that guy, you know, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, was Roy Thomas that, that really yeah. fed us the, uh, um, the insight. And then along the way, I met uh, uh, Jim Starlin, 
mm-hmm. and Al Milgram. And then uh, the college I was going to, Terry Austin was going to as well, Wayne State University. Okay. And uh, But I kept hearing about this guy, you know, Terry Austin, but I'd never seen him. You know, I just, you know, some other people I ran into would talk about it. And then it was Tom Orsikowski. I met him at the same convention mm-hmm. that, uh, that I uh, met uh, Neil Adams and uh, wow. Al Williamson at, oh. in Detroit. And uh, uh, Neil, I showed Neil my artwork and Neil looked at it and says, well, I don't see why you want to even get into this business. Oh, you know, you have to be really proficient. And he said a bunch of other nasty stuff after that. (laughs) I I was like, gee, he's kind of discouraging. But he smiled the entire time. And uh, I ran back into Keith and I said, hey, did you get a critique from uh, Neil? He said, I hate that guy. And I said, oh, he gave you a bad time, too. He, he told me, you know, nobody wants to, you know, work with their worst, you know, with somebody equivalent to their worst artist. <laughs> so, you know, so he was a little discouraged, but, you know, but mad and challenged. Yeah. And uh and then I was about to be dejected and quit. But since Keith was being so, you know, I'm going to show him kind of thing. I said, yeah, we're going to show him. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you did. Yeah. You made it. Yeah. You know, and so we we worked very hard. And then there was like Tom Orsikowski. Uh, we met him at the same convention and uh, a buddy of his, probably the only guy was really successful but he got, got successful in advertising art his name was um mike kacharski who's uh suffering with a broken hip right now so hey mike if you see this <laughs> i didn't forget about you but he's a really good artist really he was better than all of us but he just went into commercial art and uh uh and then there was let me see terry and Oh, and Terry and Mike Kucharski were really good friends. And so Mike finally introduced me to Terry Austin. And then there was Aubrey Bradford. I met him one day. He came over with, uh, used to be one of my next door neighbors. And uh, Aubrey could ink really well. I was like, wow, look at your inking. You know, and uh, uh, I mean, there were just a ton of us. I probably can, you know, Mike Vosberg lived about a mile from me. You know, so I don't know exactly. I just used to see his artwork because I, I subscribe to a lot of fanzines mm-hmm. and I'd see his work, you know, all the time. And then one day, I don't even know how we met, but one day he was at my house. Mm-hmm. And and then after that, I found out, well, you only live, you know, a mile and a half away from me or something. That's walking distance. And I used to go over to his house and, you know, <laughs> you know, and show me some of his work and I'd show him some of mine. I mean, there were like a lot of us, you know, there's actually about 14 of us. It's crazy and, how much uh, talent was coming out of Detroit. Oh, yeah. You know, it, oh, you know, Marvel and DC thought it was something in the water. <laughs> <laughs> so what's in the Detroit River? <laughs> well, quick question for you as an artist. When did you discover the power of a good anchor? Would I actually you- discovered it early on. Okay. Um was it it was uh aubrey bradford really really even back then could really ink okay. and uh and then terry austin 
he was getting there, but he was pretty good, okay. you know, and because uh, I couldn't ink worth crap. <laughs> and well, before that, Rich Buckler inked uh, two pieces of mine. He inked a Black Panther piece and a, a piece about the Silver Surfer. And I looked at those and my, you know, after picking my jaw up off the ground and everything, you know, he was just saying, what else you got? You know, I can, I need to practice my inking. And I said, practice. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Rich was probably the first, but then after that, it was like, it was Aubrey and, uh, and Terry okay. that, uh, uh, that inked my work. And we all kind of got together and we traded pages and Starlin would, you know, yeah, something I drew, you know, it's a picture of Thor, just like Starlin draws now almost. You know, I said, wow, look at this. This is great. And everything. And I said, wow. And he says, ink it. And I went, you want me to ink it? I'm a, I suck at inking. He said, well, all you got to do is follow the lines, you know, just ink it. And I said, okay. And I looked at Rich's work and I said, Rich, what did you use? He would tell me what he used and everything. Okay, I can do that. Number uh, number three, Windsor Newton. Brush, no problem. A couple of strokes. And then I applied it to, to Starlin's work. And then I, I kept trying to fix it. And I said, what do you do when stuff isn't working? And uh, Rich gave me some snow, snow, snow paint, I think is what it was called. You know, like a correction fluid. It came in two bottles mm-hmm. and you had to mix one with the other. And then you could, <laughs> you That's could, all. you know, cover stuff up. And, uh, and then uh, one day uh, Starlin asked me, Hey, whatever that, whatever happened to that piece I asked you to ink. And I said, I don't know. I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> he showed me uh, Milgram's work and you know, I met Milgram and, uh, you know, it's just a whole bunch of us. You know, I, I can't even, you know. <laughs> well, when you get to Marvel, what's your learning tree? Who are you learning from when you get there? Uh, I started off when I first got there, uh, Rich. Actually, what happened was I was sitting around at home. I was, you know, I had kind of given up the idea of me working at Marvel in D.C. My wife, my, I shouldn't say my wife, my mother. That said, you know, you're going to graduate college. So, you know, my focus was on getting good grades and everything. And then one summer, Rich said, what are you doing? I said, I'm, you know, not doing anything. I'm out for the summer. So I'm being cool. He said, why don't you come up and help me? I'm doing a couple of projects and I can use some help. And I said, okay, what do you, uh, what do you need? He says, well, and I'm getting the story off backwards. Let me start again. Let's rewind that for a second. This might be, you might need to edit it out because I'm getting ready to put it in order. Okay. (laughs) So the first time I was sitting around the house and Rich calls me up and he goes, Hey man, I need your help. And I go, what do you need from me? I don't have any money. (laughs) (laughs) He said, no, 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 no. I need you to come up and, and, and draw a comic book with me for Marvel. I said, what? I you know, super wide. I said, when do you need me? He said, man, this thing's got to be turned in on Monday. And I said, this is like Friday morning. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's Thursday, Thursday morning. And he said, man, I really need your help. I said, well, how much have you gotten done? He said, um, well, uh, I haven't done anything. (laughs) (laughs) I sort of got a splash page worked out. I said, 
worked out? He said, yeah, I, you know, I don't have anything done. I need your help bad. He says, do Monday? He said, yeah, 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 yeah. And I said, uh, okay, uh, let me call a couple of people, see if we can help. So I called Aubrey and I called Keith and I called a few other people. But Aubrey said, hey, I'm at work, but I'm available, you know, after, you know, five o'clock on Friday mm-hmm. to help. And I said, after five? He said, hey, man, that's the best I can do you. I got to be back Monday morning. Mm-hmm. I don't have no, you know, time off. And I said, okay. He said, but I'm willing to come up and help. And I said, okay. And then I asked Aubrey and he said, sure, I'm not doing anything. Let's go. So sometime after 5 p.m., we jumped in a car and drove 12 hours and got to New York. And Rich was saying, oh, man, I'm so glad you guys got here, man. I really need your help and everything. He says, I've sort of thumbnailed everything. You know, you guys can just uh, start putting it on paper. I ruled some of the sheets and, you know, I've done a couple of layouts and, you know, just sit down and work. He said, but Rich, we, we don't. He says, don't worry about it. You know, Kind of drawing like everybody knows I draw like Kirby, right? I said, well, yeah, a little, yeah. He said, well, we're we're doing kind of Kirby, and I said, okay, all right, all right, all right. And we all sat down, you know, and immediately we all fell asleep because we've been up all night. <laughs> <laughs> and Richard was like, "Here, you want coffee? You want breakfast? You know, wake up. <laughs> said, we only got till Monday, so." We sat there and drew for two days straight. Each of us taking shifts, you know, fall asleep and things like that and got it in. It was the issue of Thor. Okay. And you'll probably, you know, Roy actually gave us credit at the bottom of, you know, the issue of Thor that we did. And Joe sent it, inked it, so it all looked great. Uh, that's, <laughs> if anyone's going to ink it, that's the guy you probably want. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it ended up looking great and everything. And, me and Keith and uh, Aubrey went home punch drunk, and you know, <laughs> you know, we had you know, Keith had to be at work at nine a.m. It's a twelve-hour drive. We worked until we couldn't work any longer. Mm-hmm. Said, look, if we don't leave now, right now, it's like you know, it's a ten to twelve-hour drive. You know, yeah, it's not. Gonna so happen. we took turns getting home. You know? <laughs> man, oh man, and uh, so that was the first time, mm-hmm. and then the second time was like I was in college. And uh, during that experience, he just called me up and said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm off for the summer. I'm just sitting around. He said, why don't you come to New York? I said, well, Rich, I don't really have any money. And, you know, I got it. He said, I'll feed you. And I said, you'll feed me. He said, yeah, well, I got to find a place to stay. He said, you stay with me. And I said, what about your wife? He said, ah, don't worry about her. <laughs> she already kind of wants to divorce me. <laughs> I said, Okay, what's going on? He says, I need your help. I, you know, I promised my wife a, a vacation in Puerto Rico. Uh, and I said, oh, okay. Why Puerto Rico? She said, She's Puerto Rican. I said, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I said, okay, I, I can. Uh, I said, you want me to call Keith? He said, no, nah, I just, just need you. It's cool. I came up there and he was working on Jungle Action, the first issue of uh, Black Panther. Yeah. And, you know, with Killmonger, you know, all those other characters that they were doing in the preceding issues. So that summer, you know, I, you know, drew uh, Black Panther with uh, with with, uh, Rich. Actually, Rich did all of the really the drawing per se. I just pretty much imitated his pencil style and finished everything, finished his pencils because he'd lay it out and everything. 
or sometimes he would completely pencil it. But, you know, and I would do backgrounds, you know, and anything else I could help with, you know. So I did that for the summer. And then uh, at the end of the summer, uh, John Ramita comes up and goes, hey, you did a pretty good job, you know. So you should go see, uh, uh, you know, you should go go see uh, 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 John Verporten, who was a production manager at the time. And uh, so I went in to see John and uh, I was turning in the pages and John looked at the pages and says, you, you didn't do these pages, did you? And I said, uh, no, he said, Rich didn't do these pages. And I said, uh, no, uh, I tell the truth. I said, I did the last three pages, John, <laughs> you know, don't kick me out. You know, I'm enjoying this. And he says, he reached in the drawer and handed me a script <laughs> and I went, whoa. <laughs> and uh, that's how I started uh, doing a little work for Marvel. Before that, you know, I was taking a pilgrimage, pilgrimage every six months or so. Mm-hmm. And maybe me and Keith or me and somebody else would go up there and show our work to, uh, to John Ramirez. So John knew me, okay. you know, and, uh, you know, so that's how I, I kind of got in, and that's how Keith kind of got in, you know. It's pretty uh, awesome that you got the thumbs up from John Ramita. <laughs> I mean, if, 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 this is like, you know, it's not some small name. This is like the man, Spider, you know, besides yeah. Kiko, Spider-Man telling you, yeah. I like your stuff, go for it. I have yeah. to ask, though. I wouldn't say he said, I like your stuff, go for oh, it. Okay. He said, I love your storytelling. And he turned to Keith, who was with me at the time, and he said, I love the way you draw. Okay. He said, but you don't know how to tell a story. He was talking to Keith, and he said, you don't know how to draw. And <laughs> I was like, <laughs> he said, but together, if I put you together, you make one heck of a Marvel artist. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and uh, that's how he, that's how me and Keith started working together, but I had actually gotten a book on my own because I'd done like a five page sample of uh, the thing in Morbius. And uh, I showed it to, you know, one of the editors. I don't think it was Roy, but one of the other editors Mm -hmm. and uh, may have been Archie. And they said, yeah, this is good. Why don't you finish it? And I said, finish it. He said, yeah, you know, just go ahead and, you know, turn it into a real story. And, uh, and I said, uh, okay. And then, uh, I said, when's it needed? He said, ah, just go ahead and do it. We'll figure it out. And, uh, so I went home and struggled with it for a few days. Cause now all of a sudden I'm doing this. My samples are becoming an entire comic book. Right. I didn't know what the heck I was doing at that point. I was scared, you know? So I came back to Marvel and said, I don't think I can do this assignment. I'm so nervous. He says, well, what's the problem? You want to work for Marvel, you know, go ahead and do this book. And I said, can I have a writer to help me? Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, okay, no pri- writer, no problem. And Bill Matlow was walking by and he said, hey, Bill, what are you doing? He said, I'm looking for work. He said, you got work. You're working with this guy. <laughs> 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 so me and Bill sat down and plotted out, uh, you know, the thing versus uh, Morbius, you know, which ended up in a Marvel uh, it was a team up or a Marvel two in one or one of those. Yeah. <laughs> Back at the time. How was, uh, 
but it took me a while to get it done. You know, I, you, you know, he gave me the script and I was working, but it was no deadline. So I just worked on it a little at a time for about three months while I was helping Rich. And then finally, uh, you know, doing some things in the British department. And finally I got it done. Mm-hmm. And then it knocked around Marvel for another six months to almost a year before it was published. So I had, by then I had done Iron Fist and Iron Man, you know, but, uh, but it was my actual first, first job. How was uh, Bill to work with? Cause you know, he's uh, with Rom and Hulk and he had did so many uh, great stories. At the time he was pretty fresh. Okay. You know, like a fresh face. So he was really easy. You know, we sat down at lunch. Right. And, uh, you know, we talked about it. We kind of did it Marvel style. You know, he kind of said, why don't we do this and do this? And then he gave me a, a loose outline of what was going to go on mostly every page. Mm-hmm. And uh, he decided on the living eraser as the villain. And, uh, <laughs> and I drew it and he said, cool. And it was like, I was working right next to him for a minute or two there, you know, yeah. but he had, you know, he was just pretty much really getting going. So, you know, that was all before he, and we had a lot of fun. <laughs> now, when it comes to the character creation, one of the things you're most known for, it's Misty Knight, who's kind of gotten a life of her own with the uh, Iron Fist TV show, as mm-hmm. well as, you know, making a comeback in comics. Talk a little about um, how, uh character creation comes together you know what are the how is the character pulled together from different sources or is this something that you guys just took you know and just made up on your own well i i originally had a character in my arsenal because i was a comic fan and i was doing a lot of drawing and i created the character misty knight mm-hmm. and i started kind of with her origin more than anything which is a lot more extensive than they've ever used but uh but the character's name wasn't Misty Knight. It had a, she had another name. Okay. And, uh, uh, you know, now I was just trying to figure out a way to introduce her to Marvel to try to get it in. And then I, I was working on Iron Fist, and Tony Isabella was writing it. And Tony says to me, man, I'd love to have somebody for Iron Fist to talk to so he doesn't have to say, you know, when kicking somebody whips the dragon's tail or yeah, <laughs> or some other stupid stuff that he's saying because he got nobody to talk to. So he's talking it to himself or I'm writing captions and using these kung fu moves. And that's all we got, you know. And uh, and I said, well, so what are you thinking? He said, I don't know. I'm just trying to come up with, you know, somebody that you can talk to. And I said, what about a female? superhero who's got like a steel fist and he said steel fist and i said no 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 not steel fist that's not the name <laughs> and i told him what his, what her name was at the time uh it was my character's name was gloria majors Ooh. and they yeah, what you said ooh, you know tony <laughs> tony went hmm. and i said yeah to- gloria majors and the superhero name is major glory Okay. He said, yeah, I like the name Misty. So I was like, okay, you can have Misty. <laughs> and then he says, yeah, Misty. He said, maybe Misty Knight. And I said, not black as night, night like shiny night. 
And he said, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so her name became, actually her full name was Gloria Mercedes Majors. <laughs> Got the Mercedes in there to show. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was from Detroit, so I was just yeah. trying to put a car reference. <laughs> and Mercury Majors didn't seem, it seemed a little too. <laughs> so, so Mercedes majors, you know, and, uh, and he kept the he kept the Mercedes part, you know, but uh, and then the night we we negotiated one letter, <laughs> and Misty is all Tony, so <laughs> so, uh, so you know we we spent. He doesn't remember any of this now, but we spent a couple of days at my apartment just going over stuff. And then he would kind of half write it and half tell me, okay. you know, so he would say, OK, first five pages. Page one is a fight. <laughs> Big splash page with Iron Fist kicking somebody. I said, OK, then they fight for the first five pages. When you get that done, I'll have the rest of the story for you. So. <laughs> so. <laughs> And then we didn't introduce uh, um, Misty until the next issue. You know, uh, mm. uh, you know she she comes in her introduction to uh, um, you know meet her lifelong friend is to kick him in the head. <laughs> 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 and uh, <laughs> we went from that to you know uh, to them becoming friends, you know, and talking about it, but. Uh, at some point, um, uh, Mark Grimwald call, calls uh, Tony up and says, I kind of like this character, Misty Knight. Tell me more about it. Tony says, ah, that's Arvell's character. Call him up. So, <laughs> so Mark calls me up and says, tell me about Misty Knight. So you know, I go back and pull my sketchbook and pull all my random notes, and I start telling him. And he says, I said, I can send you all this. He said, just tell me. So, I, you know, I tell him, and he said, you can send that later. I said, okay, I'll do that. I said, so I'm telling him all kinds of stories and everything about it. And he said, this is cool. I said, this is cool. Yeah, yeah. And everything. And uh, we end the phone call. And then I pack, you know, most of that stuff up, and I just send it to him. I don't copy it. Oh. <laughs> I'm a kid, you know. Yeah. <laughs> just send it to him, you know. And... Uh, and then the next thing I know, he was, she was being used, you know, which mm -hmm. was cool. She paired up with uh, Colleen Wing. I'm like, oh, this is cool. And all my costume ideas, you know, her, uh, you know, when I was working this out with, with, uh, with Tony, mm -hmm. I said, Tony, she's got two iron fists and she's got one, like, you know, uh, bionic leg, so to speak, you know. And uh, he was like, no, that's not going to work. And I said, why not, Tony? <laughs> and he said, you can't have the sidekick be more powerful than the main character. I said, sure you can. He said, no, you can't. He said, sure you can. He said, give me an example. I said, Superman and Batman. He said, Superman's the leader. I said, no, no, he's not Batman. <laughs> he said, <laughs> That they kind of team up. They're not really partners. I said, Brave and the Bow, every every month, I'd say that's a team. <laughs> so he says, okay, but 
that's not fair. So I said, okay, all right, all right, all right. So he says, you got to lose, you know, a bionic arm and you got to lose the leg. <laughs> he says, in fact, all she can have is a steel fist. That was like, but when I drew it, I was drawing, doing the drawings and what was in my uh, notebook and how I was revising it, you know, I made it the whole arm and I made it designed by Tony Stark. <laughs> Which is awesome. <laughs> you know, and uh, we, but we never got to draw it again. We never got to touch the character, me and Tony, again. So let me ask you about that, though. How does that work out for you? Because, you know, this is, I know, because it's going on now in the news that they're saying that you work for Marvel. So when you created something, you created for Marvel. But how does it feel? How did you feel personally when you see other people doing your character? I feel great seeing John Byrne and everybody else, you know, uh, you know, Marshall Rogers, you know, doing the work. I mean, I was like, my character, you know, I'm, I'm always that, you know, yeah. they wish they'd give me credit or give <laughs> me and Tony credit, but, you know, but I was still happy to see that I contributed to the Marvel universe. Right. I did want to draw the character and I made a couple of suggestions at a couple of points that hmm. could I go ahead and do an origin and can we make it a mini series? They told me do a proposal. And, uh, and then uh, there was a change of regime. And, you know, so things were happening and um, we went through a series of editors mm -hmm. um, and it just seemed like it never happened. Right. You know, partially my fault because, you know, there was a little bit of politics involved right. and I went and I started working for DC Comics. Mm -hmm. And while I was over there, I wasn't thinking about Misty Knight. At the time, and uh, but I always had this idea to do this Misty Night miniseries. Right. I even, uh, maybe even a couple of years ago, I approached Tony and said, "Let's do a mini Misty Night miniseries." And he says, "Yeah, we can put Tiger in it." And I was like, "I don't want to put Tiger." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, Tony, we can put Tiger in it because <laughs> I wanted to just tell her origin, you know. Right, but, because uh, you had it all planned out. Yeah, yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, uh, so I just never got back to it, after, you know, and then they never offered me anything else with her in it. Gotcha. Uh, and so I just she's like my little orphan child that I didn't, you know, that I abandoned, you know. There's still time. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you about D.C. Were you recruited by D.C. or did you go to them? Well, I wasn't getting enough work at Marvel at the time, so. Right. I was like, I was working on Iron Man, uh, Iron Man at the time. Mm -hmm. And then I was offered the Fantastic Four quarterly for which George Perez had just moved off of that. Right. And I was like, yeah, I want to do that. You know, first I didn't know because I was doing Iron Man. And I, I asked, uh, I polled my buddies, you know, uh, Starlin and Buckler and, you know, Milgram. And it came out you should do the Fantastic Four because that's one of their marquee books. Yeah. Said, but, but Iron Man, it's just, Iron Man is you know, secondary at the time it was. Right. And uh, so I said, okay. Um, and at the same time, I was doing Iron Fist, but then Tony was moved off the book. 
And uh, so they decided they're going to take it in a different direction, you know. And I think Pat Broderick or somebody else was on it, and, and, and Chris uh, Claremont. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, you know, was off of Iron Fist and Iron Man at the same time. So um, I was sitting around talking about what I'm going to do for money. I'm kind of up here. I'm kind of committed. You know, I got an apartment now. And, I got to eat. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, and if I didn't find something soon, I was going to have to move back home and go back to school. You know, my mother wanted me to do anyway. But. <laughs> <laughs> so I, so I just decided to call uh, uh, Paul Levitz up mm-hmm. and Paul was, you know, doing some, some editing and, I had known Paul a little while because I was publishing a fanzine and he was publishing a fanzine back in the day. And he had a real newsletter and I had sort of an art showcase book that said it was a newsletter. And, (laughs) you know, so I went up to see Paul and Paul. Yeah, we talked back and forth. We were like, cool. And uh, then I said, how about how about you giving me work? (laughs) he says, well, I got a, you know, I got a trial book I can give work out to. So here, take this Legion story and work on it. You know, so I did the Legion story mm-hmm. and then Paul liked that. So he gave me another one and, you know, I got these smaller little assignments. And then I was walked in one day and they gave me super team family. And I was like, wow, I got to do super team family. That's awesome. You know, my attitude was I'm from Detroit mm-hmm. and we didn't pull any punches. Neil Adams had showed us the way. So Neil had critiqued us and was just brutal. Mm -hmm. And so Starlin and Milgram and Buckler and anybody else you can name, we were brutal to one another. So what what do you think of this? Oh, this is effed up, but that looks great. (laughs) (laughs) And so in Detroit, that was cool. But, you know, uh, Bob Layton ain't this, uh, uh, this Legion story and came in and he showed it to me. He was all excited. It was his first job. And he was like, yeah, you know, I'm, and I looked at him and went, you just look <laughs> like you're just ripping off Wally Wood. And he went, you know, just deflated him completely. And I said, I'm sorry. I just, you know, I'm just used to telling everybody, you know, no sugar coating it, just bloody their nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Bob went away, and I kept hearing from people, yeah, Bob's mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm sorry, Bob, I didn't really. Yeah. <laughs> he developed into a hell of an art. Oh, man, oh yeah, he was definitely. a hell of an artist, you know, and he had his own style, you know, so. Yeah. You know, but the foundation was sort of that Wally Wood kind of thing. And I was like, hey, you're doing Wally Wood. You know, <laughs> I'm not that impressed. <laughs> he actually did a really good Wally Wood, though. <laughs> I looked at it later once it was printed. And I said, I came back to tell him, mm-hmm. hey, you know, this really came out nice. It's sort of like that Kirby Wood kind of thing. You know, I'd like you to ink some more of my stuff. Too. But when I first looked at it in black and white, I said, Wally Wood. <laughs> that's the end of that. <laughs> I had a lot of nerve. I was doing Jack Kirby sorta. <laughs> he 
was he was he was doing a perfect Wally Wood. <laughs> <laughs> now, as a fan, I'm curious when you jump from one company to the next. Mm-hmm. Is there a bad taste in Marvel's mouth, or is it? Do they know, or you know, if you jump from DC to Marvel back and forth, does the companies know? Okay, you know, this is the business. People got to work. If we don't have anything, they could just go to DC and back and forth, or do they sort of take it personally? Well, when I was at Marvel before I went to DC, mm-hmm. I wasn't getting any work at the time. Right. So I went in, and Ellen Bartnoff came out to talk to me. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, just in the lobby. So, you know, she came out to talk to me in the lobby. I said, I don't get another book. I'm going to DC Comics. <laughs> and Ella said, okay. <laughs> I think that'll be all right. And I said, you sure? Because I'll do it. <laughs> Man, send me a copy of your first book. <laughs> so I said, oh, dang. I think I just got this. I don't know. Yo, but Ellen, we were friends. We've been friends a couple of years, you know. Yeah. She had celebrated my, uh, I think it was my 16th birthday. We were at the Howard Johnson's uh, uh, at a Comic Con, and she was there. I think, you know, that's a whole nother story, though. I won't get into that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she just told me, go ahead. Yeah. And so I went over to DC, and they said, I said to DC, so I've been working at Marvel. What's my pay r- page rate? And he said, been working at that second class uh, uh, company. <laughs> now you're working in the big leagues, but we're not going to pay you as much because you don't know how to draw. Oh, I said, wait a minute. I've been drawing at Marvel now. I got about six or seven books in there. Nah. Go see Joe Orlando. I went to Joe and Joe said, okay, Arvell, let's sit down here and go over your work. You know, and, and he gave me a drawing lesson. And I said, okay. And I followed what he said. Cause I always, you know, I wasn't one of those artists. In fact, nobody from Detroit was the type of artist that you could hurt our feelings. You know, you could say, they could take a page and say, what do you think of this page? You could walk it outside, put it in the middle of the street and drive a truck over it and hand it back to him. He said, that's what I think. And he said, Oh, okay. I guess I got a little work to do then. (laughs) (laughs) So we were all like that, you know. (laughs) Well, you got to have tough skin. Uh, Yeah, you know. uh, (laughs) Too bad some of my New York compatriots didn't think that way because they would (laughs) ask me what I thought. (laughs) Now, oh man, you kind of (laughs) suck. And they go, oh, okay. That's what you feel about, huh? I'm never going to work with you again. <laughs> See, oh, boy. So you moved to All-Star Squadron. And what I love about your art in this is it's got that like old school feel, like you talk about with Kirby and stuff like that. But when you do close-ups of people's faces, it is incredible. The, the sh- uh, shading and stuff you do. I mean, it's almost like someone took a picture. And, and put it there instead of a drawing. It's absolutely incredible. Don't tell any of my secrets. No, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> but is that, was that a style that you picked to, to do things like that? Or is that just- I was, um, you know, as an artist, by the time I got to All-Star Squadron, I think I was a more capable artist. Okay. And, um, you know, I was really studying hard to, you know, to uh, be consistent with my work and, mm-hmm. you know, Every line I wanted to draw, 
should have been better than the last one. Uh, so, and I think I felt more comfortable. I was no longer doing Jack Kirby. I was sort of doing what was in me, right. you know, um, and what, you know, some of my influences to look at. So, um, and I looked at everybody, you know, from Frank Fazetta to Al Williamson to, you know, Bernie Hogarth to, but I wasn't trying to be them at all. You know, just, uh, you know, just wanted to, uh, you know, try to develop me. And all the time I spent with, with Rich and we sort of already had the same influences and the same thing with, with Keith. We had learned to draw so that we could work together at times. So, you know, if Keith was falling behind on the deadline or Rich was falling behind on the deadline or Ron or, you know, anybody that, that asked us, you know, we could just jump in there and draw a panel or two here and there just to make it happen, you know, because right. deadlines were important. And so through all of that, you know, I'm learning from my, you know, my compadres and reading books and, you know, and then getting art lessons, you know, from whoever I could pick them up from, you know. So I think that contributed to the, the better look. And then I also really just wanted to modernize characters enough because the references that I got, uh, and some of the older stuff that I got, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think some of it would get lost on the audience today because it just felt a little bit, uh, you know, it was like a preliminary, you know, for everybody they hadn't really gotten into it. So it was a little, you know, underdeveloped. Gotcha. So we just worked to try to keep the book looking developed. And then you had, like, I had great inkers at times, you know. Tony, uh, Tony uh, Desanica, or you know, uh, came and jumped on the book uh, at one point, and uh, Frank Giacoya would. He was always working with Mike Esposito, so mm -hmm. Mike might start to work on something, and then Frank would finish it, or you know, Frank would outline everything and do the basics, and then uh, Mike uh, would come back and shade everything. Or, you know, and, and I learned from looking at my originals, you know, just, yeah, wow, look at how that came out. And then uh, Alfredo Alcala mm -hmm. uh, did this Captain Marvel uh, book that I did. And it, it looks like I'm two different people, you know, because the cover was inked by uh, a Dick Giordano on the inside, you know. And I'm like, wow, you know, I'm just enjoying all these styles and, you know, all this, you know, strong inkers they were putting on the work and you know just loving it i want to ask because you said something that i think is so important um to be confident in being you as an artist what do you remember a point where you were confident being you where you said i'm i can do this and let me do this my way well yeah i think that uh i'm laughing because i was always confident <laughs> <laughs> Some people in my work and i couldn't draw yeah, <laughs> I mean, when I say I couldn't draw, I just couldn't draw really well. That, that's not what I mean. <laughs> I, mean <laughs> I couldn't draw up to what I was thinking. I didn't want to be anybody else to right. a degree. I had all these influences that I drew kind of like, but I wasn't like holding a book trying to trace or anything, right. you know. And um, with a few tips from everybody, you know, I got more confident, but before that I was pretty confident in my, 
you know, in my work, I was a little less confident in my storytelling. I knew how I want story to be told. I didn't know if Marvel or DC would, uh, would accept some of that stuff, but they did. They accepted it all, and they thought it was pretty exciting. In fact, the storytelling is what got me in, not my drawing. <laughs> That's true. I drew like, I, you know, the only equivalent I could think of was Barry Smith back when he was doing Daredevil. <laughs> me and Barry were kind of, I said, well, Barry was able to get in, what? <laughs> I could draw at least as good as him, you know, and that would stop anybody because at the time, uh, you know, Barry was exciting. So, you know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to jump ahead a little bit and you start work with Milestone and Milestone's coming back or did come back uh, earlier this year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, how are you brought into the, the fold with that? I'm going to tell my truth. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dennis Cowan was my assistant at one point when I was working at DC. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dennis said, hey, I'll come in. I'll get you coffee. I'll sweep the floors. Just let me be around you and see how you do things and everything. He was like 14 years old. Wow. And uh, so Keith was saying, you, you letting this not know this kid? We don't know him. He could, he could rob us blind. <laughs> I said, you know, he, you know, Dennis at the time was about as skinny as my finger. <laughs> I said, I'm not worried about Dennis. You know, but he came in and, uh, he said, what do you want me to do for you? You know, get your coffee, go out and do a run. Or I said, no, nah, you know, let's just sit here and uh, do some thumbnails. And then I graduated him to doing background work. And, you know, I kind of was bringing him up like I was being brought, like I'd been brought up, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, Rich sort of worked with Gil Kane and, you know, and then worked with Neil. And I kind of, you know, figured, hey, you can, you can help you know, during the deadline crunches and things. So he would kind of come in and do a few things. Dennis always talked a good game, but he didn't want to draw that much, you know. <laughs> but then uh, when I finally let him loose on a page or two, he would, you know, do some cool stuff. And, you know, I talked to him about storytelling and things like that. I don't think he listened to any of my drawing lessons, but that was okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he... He went to other people for that, but you know, but he did enjoy you know, my storytelling. And uh, during that time, uh, there was a writer named uh, uh, Carl Skip Kirkland, okay. who was working. He was like the editor of Foom Magazine, <laughs> and uh, he was trying to break in as a regular writer. And uh, then there, you know, me and Keith and Trevor Von Eden all the black guys, you know, <laughs> and Rich Buckler. Because <laughs> Rich always had time for us. <laughs> We'd all go to the movies together. Sometimes Tony is Bella. Y'all go to the movies together and things. And then, uh, uh, so we came up with this group of characters that we wanted to pitch to Marvel in DC. Mm -hmm. And we went over and pitched it to Marvel and Marvel said, eh, it's not that big an audience for black characters. Sorry. And we were turned down. Yeah. So then we found a small publisher. And he says, I think I like this. So we developed some of the ideas. But then we went and saw him one day in his office. And then we came back in a month. And 
he was no longer in the office. You know, he'd gone out of business. <laughs> Jeez. We took a lot of the characters and just set them aside, you know. Mm-hmm. And Dennis was sitting there the entire time while we were making these plans. And then one day, Dennis calls me up and says, hey, you know how you were doing the Black Comic Book Company thing? He said, and you told me at the time, you know, that nothing should stop me. I should just go ahead and do my thing. Well, we kind of came up with, we kind of took what you were doing and all those business ideas and everything, and we went ahead and did it. And I said, what? He said, yeah, yeah, we did it. I said, Dennis, I love you. <laughs> you know, I was so excited, and I felt like a proud grandpa, <laughs> icon and static and, <laughs> and all those other characters. You know, only one of them looked like, you know, a character we'd created. Most of everything looked looked new, right. you know, but uh, uh, only one character, I won't say who it was, Icon, <laughs> uh, <laughs> was similar to a character we had uh, and uh, different origin, different origin, but just in terms of what kind of character it was and mm-hmm. everything. Um, and so he just called me up one day and said, hey, you want to come, you know, work on uh, work with me on my stuff, you know, and the stuff that me and Dwayne McDuffie and, you know, uh, Derek Dingo and uh, that other guy, Mike. Uh, I can't think of Mike's last name. Right now. Davis, Michael Davis, you know, uh, are doing. I said, yeah, sure. You know, and then Dennis just start feeding me work. I got to do the there was a four part poster in the first four issues that was cut up and then half and nobody probably looked at because they didn't want to break the plastic bags. That they were <laughs> but I did this four part poster that, you know, of the entire milestone universe yeah. in the first issue. And uh, then did some trading cards and then they said, Hey, you want to do a book, you know, and just fill in. I said, yeah, sure. They gave me a blood syndicate. And then after that, they gave me a um, hardware to do. Mm-hmm. And Dennis inked it, and then uh, then we moved on to uh, uh, to Cobalt, mm-hmm. which which was a crazy book. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like? But that's how it, that's how I you know how I got involved with Milestone. Did you uh, think DC pushed Milestone advertising wise and book wise as much as they could have? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were problems with um, it wasn't with the ideas or anything. It was just, uh, you know, I guess black lives didn't matter back then. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but uh, uh, Dwayne McDuffie told me that their biggest issue was that the books weren't getting distributed in the South. Really? Yeah. The retailers might buy one or two copies. But, you know, for the most part in the South, they weren't selling. Man, oh man, you know, and they weren't being ordered, so that was that was the issue. Yeah. Um. You know, personally, you know, I didn't know that I'd already known. This is another key fact. You know, Dwayne McDuffie was from Detroit, mm-hmm. and my aunt used to be his babysitter. Oh wow! And I would see him. You know, yeah. Dwayne was maybe. 15 years younger than me. <laughs> so, yeah, ah, get out of here, kid. <laughs> he was all down around my waist. Go away, kid. You bother me. You know, that kind of thing. 
And then I met him years later. And we didn't know. He didn't know me and I didn't know him. And throughout his entire, our entire working relationship, I never knew. And then when he died, my aunt called me up because he did a big article in Detroit Free Press. And she called me up and she said, it's a shame what happened to little Dwayne. And I said, little Dwayne, who are you talking about? He said, little Dwayne, you know, he just come by. You pushed him down one day. <laughs> I said, I didn't, I didn't really push him down, did I? <laughs> well, he said, yeah. I said, I don't remember that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he was a kid. Yeah, you know, me. <laughs> but anyway. I don't remember actually pushing him down, but he was a kid anyway. Kind of tripped. Later, I'm glad he didn't remember because he, you know, next time I saw him, I'd go like this hideaway. Much <laughs> 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 taller, <laughs> bigger than me. <laughs> but we got along really great. That's oh, just another. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, I want to jump to what you're working on now, but I have to ask: Was there a run or a book that you wish you had more time on? Um, that you had, you know, ideas that, you know, you wish you could have uh, executed? Hmm. I always wanted to draw, even when I was a little kid, Captain America. And uh, I wish I had more time <laughs> to draw Captain America. You know, I, I got to doing, got to do a couple of drawings of him in an issue of the Avengers. I got to work on him uh, in a what if with Captain America and the thing. And uh, and then Roy kind of remembered that and asked me to do a Captain America annual. And I I enjoyed it too much. You know, I was having too much fun with it. I was like, screw the deadline. This is going to be the best book I've ever drawn. I'm going to take as much time as I need. He said, you got to get that book in here or we're going to put somebody else on it. And then the last few pages, I just just dashed them out, you know, and I hated that I did that, you know, that I yielded to the deadline. Right. But uh, that was that was probably the most fun. And then there was another one, uh, Daredevil. I was always the guy that loved. I thought the real heroes were those that hardly had any superpowers. Mm -hmm. They could get shot. Bullets didn't bounce off of them or they couldn't karate chop a bullet. (laughs) If they got shot, they were hurt. (laughs) They could actually die jumping off them tall buildings, Daredevil. You could die. (laughs) So they gave me an issue of Daredevil to do. Actually, Keith was working on Daredevil. It was his project. And he said, man, I need help. I'm having trouble getting charged up about this issue of daredevil plus i'm working on spider-man 2099 or whatever that title was you know and he said i'm doing both these titles and i need help Arv." and i was like i'm off doing other things at this point right and i said sure keith i'll help you so we'll knock this sucker out like we did in the old days like we did in the old days (laughs) that's supposed to be a high five I came over and uh, Keith said, when you start laying the book out, and I'll start drawing. I said, cool. So I started laying it out. He changed a few of my layouts. You know, then he started drawing it. Then he was falling behind. He says, I can't deal with this book anymore. Finish it. 
I was like, but Keith, I haven't drawn in three or four years. He said, ah, you still got it. It's like riding a bicycle. So I went home and finished the book. And, but the entire time I was working on it, Warren Ellis was the, art, was the writer at the time. I was hating Roy, uh, you know, uh, Warren, because Warren never let Daredevil put his costume on in that entire book. So I got to do Daredevil, and I did all the Daredevil stuff, jumping off of buildings, you know, using a billy club, beating people up, you know. But he was in his lawyer suit the entire, Ugh. you know, time. In fact, at one time, his suit was even shown. It was being shoved in a duffel bag because, because Matt Murdock was taking it to the cleaners to get it cleaned along with the rest <laughs> of his clothes. <laughs> so all the that. books and all the times to get the book, you got it when, hey, we're going to step, get away from the costume for a little bit. We're not doing a costume at all. <laughs> and I was like, this sucks. <laughs> but I did all my Daredevil stuff. I drew him in costume. And then went back and took all the costume lines out. <laughs> but it looked really dynamic. In fact, it was probably you know the most dynamic Daredevil I've ever seen. <laughs> it was that beautiful. <laughs> now, are you a pure red Daredevil outfit guy or the old school yellow black with the red DD guy? I didn't even, even if I had done the book, it wouldn't have been either one of those. It would have been more like a combination of the TV series. It was like a gray and black. Gotcha. And he was armored, right? You know, still had the horns and everything. But okay. what did I care what color it was going to be? It was still Daredevil with the horns and there everything. And I'm just drawing it. I'm not coloring it or inking it. Or, but then it got Tom Palmer to ink it. It was beautiful. It was the best. Oh man, I love that job. <laughs> anyway, um, and then Marvel wouldn't even give me originals back. You know, they usually give you originals back, but they told right. me, you don't know what happened to your originals. You know, so Keith gave me a couple of his. And I said, I didn't even get any originals back. Hmm. You know, but uh, I love that book. That was the last book I did at Marvel. You know, it was really uh, Marie uh, Jarvis called me afterwards. Said, this is really good. You want to you want to come back and work for Marvel? I said, sort of loved to but i was working at a tv station at the time mm -hmm. and i couldn't and it was demanding because i was doing the 10 o'clock news so i ended up doing like 25 news graphics a night oh wow you know uh five nights a week sometimes six nights a week and then every once in a while because it's the news they would come back and say we're throwing out that entire murder thing we're not doing the murder tonight we had a plane crash and we need you to do an animation on how the plane crashed and everything for the news tonight and do some plane crash stuff yeah you know or there were several tornadoes that night plus the plane crash and then you know it was a corruption thing and we're throwing out all the murder and <laughs> wow and violent stuff you know we're doing i go okay so i do all these graphics and you know did you enjoy so it, I, I just knew it was really unpredictable so yeah. i was only able i only took that daredevil book because I thought me and Keith were going to work on it together throughout the whole book. Right. And the last half, it was all me. And I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> Why did I take this book on? I just did tw 25 news graphics. And now I got to draw at least two pages. <laughs> and Mar you know, Marvel's calling me up. Where are the pages? Where are the pages? Like, oh, my God. <laughs>
So what, what's draw, bringing you back into comics now? People are asking me, and because of the pandemic, I'm not doing a whole lot of other stuff. I was like doing, you know, doing some TV producing and some commercials and stuff like that, which is how I was making my living for the most part. You know, I got to do a, 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 a uh, was it cheap ad? No, not the cheap ad. It was a Firebird ad. I did a Firebird ad, you know, uh, directed commercial. And, uh, it had uh, the voice of John with John Luke Picard doing the voice. You know, <laughs> you know I said, "Oh, this is awesome!" You know, it was a science fiction thing. But anyway, <laughs> one time, <laughs> still, yeah. you did it. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I got to you know do some other kind of commercial type stuff. You know. Uh, but well, every ask, once in a while, I get to do some some of that, you know. Which do you prefer uh, doing though? The the in the in your almost like two lives. Which one brought you the whole same life? Action. Well, doing the same thing. I just you know it's just branding. You right. know, I'm doing a car or I'm doing a hot dog commercial. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I I turned the hot dog into a superhero. Who can say it's called Super K Dog? <laughs> Walski sausage uh, commercial, and I got to do it in 3D. You know? That's pretty. Yeah, cool. it was it was cool. He just come in and save the day because people didn't know what they want to eat for dinner, and he fly down and said, "Super K Dog here. <laughs> <laughs> Try some of this Brockwurst." <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. He's offering all his cousins up for a meal, but <laughs> <laughs> his brothers and sisters. But, <laughs> but he was cool. He had a big K on him, and he had a cape and some cool goggles. <laughs> the superheroes, you know, you can't get out of your blood. No, no, no. I didn't let it get out of my. I did a beer spot one day for Old Milwaukee. Okay, and the. Superhero. It was actually a trade thing, like internal to the to the uh, beer commercials. Mm -hmm. I mean, to the beer industry. And uh, so it was a superhero, and he was beer man. And I drew him so he always looked a little drunk and and, and unshaven, kind of you know five o'clock shadow. <laughs> and he was going around with cases of beer. I'm bringing you your beer today so you can sell to your customers. <laughs> 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 you saved the day. <laughs> That's really cool. I like that. <laughs> got some, I, got, I got Aubrey Bradford to ink some of the stuff. It was cool. Oh, wow. Did they give you free beer? Well, that, that would be telling. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk Arms Masters because you're working on this book. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually not working on the book you're not working. i'm actually working as a creative consultant and sort of an art director and uh it was uh you know a uh, a person i met when he was in college and i sort of sort of a mentor okay and he he came to me with this idea and i said oh man you should develop this 
And then every time I see him in the hallways, or he'd stop by my classroom when I was teaching at the College of Creative Studies. Mm-hmm. He'd show me his work and I'd go, Mike, this is great stuff, man. Are you going to do this? And he said, yeah, 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 I'm going to do it. I'm going to, one day I'm going to do a whole movie and everything. He was studying animation. And I just kept on him, you know, man, what can I do to help? You know, what do you need? He said, well, can you help? And, and, and then one day while he was working on it, you know, there's a new uh, publisher here in Michigan called Resurgence Comics. Okay. And uh, uh, those guys, this is uh, uh, Noel Breitner, who uh, had run a comic book store and was always... I could go in there and he would give my, my son a free toy, you know, give me these huge discounts on any comics I bought, although I hardly ever bought comics, but you give me a discount <laughs> on them. And my son was like, you know, I was raising him right. He was a true comics fan, you know, so <laughs> he'd come in there and get some stuff and, uh, and uh, his brother and him. And so they had this, uh, but then he decided to start a comic book company. And uh, him and uh, uh, Gerald Walker, who used to be an assistant of mine, could have been another Dennis Cowan, you know, uh, or, you know, whatever. But uh, uh, he decided to start doing his own books and they kind of combined their energies and created Resurgence Comics. And, uh, and you know, one day uh, uh, Gerald Tion Walker called me up and said, hey, do you have any old comic book stuff that you've done? I said, I did this comic book for this record company called EMI. And uh, it was supposed to be a promotion for this hip hop artist. Uh, And uh, I said, hey, it's just laying around. Let me ask the hip hop artist because EMI went out of business. Let me ask the hip hop artist, is he on the rights? And can he do anything with it? He said, yeah. So I gave him that and it, you know, became a San Diego Comic Con exclusive. And I said, well, cool. So he says, what else you got? And I said, well, I don't have a lot of other stuff. I got some of my old students who've done some really creative stuff. So I offered up uh, Mike Wynn's work. Uh, and then Mike was like, oh my God, I'm an animator. I don't know nothing about doing comics. I said, oh, it's easy. Let me work with you. Give you a couple of noogies and, you know, push you out there. You'll be all right. You know, you'll be all right. So uh, I encouraged him to get started on it. And, you know, he started showing me some of the pages. And I said, well, that doesn't work. Fix that. And then fix that. And I said, well, this doesn't work. Fix that. So look at, this is great stuff. So, you know, so, I, you know, I wanted to give that a plug. Arms Masters is, uh, is a... Uh, uh, a otherworldly uh, kind of anime kind of comic book uh, okay. project with these characters that could be like the Avengers. They, they're, there's some sort of secret element in the air on this world. It's sort of in the world sort of looks partially like uh, like the world of the Hobbit. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, and then at the same time, it kind of looks like uh, part of the world's look like Avatar. Oh. And so it's, uh, it's got an interesting mix. And then you got these, uh, these Titan-like superhero characters. You know, there's a guy that's 
sort of like the Hulk, and, you know, and, and they got swords and their sorcery and their superhero kind of stuff and guys who can shoot amazing with, 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 with guns and, and it's a little off um, from being a superhero title, but it's got all those elements and there's muscles and punching and, you know, all of the stuff that, you know, that I used to love from Marvel in there as well. And, uh, and I, you know, I just want his book to get a little recognition and some excitement. And, and the guys at Resurgent, um, you know, they work with uh, Mike Grell on, on his projects. He's putting out Maggie Cat and, and John Sable Freelance. And, uh, and sort of they're sort of starting to provide other ways for, you know, some of those older guys to get our work back out there. Oh, yeah. so I think, you know, uh, as a title, you know, I can see all the, you know, bring the whole gang back together to work on that. Right. You know, and there's another guy, uh, his name is Austin Holt mm -hmm. and he's got a thing called power comics mm -hmm. and he's all over Facebook right now, you yeah. know, with all of the people that he's, and he's doing the same thing. He's, he's getting all these guys that were kind of retired and not being able to work at Marvel or DC. And he's saying, Hey, here's another project you guys to work on. And so, I, you know, I, uh, I'm working with him. I'm uh, creating a character called, uh, uh, well, the character's created. It's actually a 1940s character that we just, you know, resurrected called uh, Arrow. Yeah. And I kind of updated his costume and everything. And so, and there's all kinds of other characters that uh, is being worked on with Power Comics. And uh, I don't know if they're all one shots or if they're going to be an entire series. It's, just depends on how successful they are. So between Resurgence Comics <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, and Power Comics, you know, I'm I'm seeing some exciting work that's being put together. You know, I was just uh, I follow I follow Austin on Facebook, and I saw he put out the drawing. I think it's gonna be a T-shirt for uh, the Arrow with your art on it, and it looks amazing. Like it's it's fantastic man well i did the design but i didn't actually do the artwork for that okay for that particular uh t-shirt but some of the stuff that i got coming out i've been kind of keeping it close to the wraps but gotcha. you know it's 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 wild looking stuff so you know he's got some crazy characters he's got this one character one of my favorite artists is salvador dolly mm -hmm. he put salvador dolly in the in the comic book as a villain <laughs> he's like worse than the Joker. <laughs> he's an artist that can draw stuff and make these crazy paintings, and then the paintings come alive. And that's just got me, you know, all giddy about that. So, you know, I just want to do it right on that. So, you know, that's uh and and unfortunately, I think I'm getting that bug. You know, the oh, comic book drawing bug again. Nice. I don't know what to do with it. You know, I was sort of solving it by going to some of the comic cons and doing sketches for everybody. And I did. Right. Some, but now I got the bug to tell stories again. You got all the tools to do it. Hey, I do. <laughs> I even got tools I didn't have when I was doing it the first time. These computers. And, I was going to say, do you use, do you do freehand or do you use computers now with a lot more of your drawings? I, I do both. 
Okay. I, you know, I started using computers way back before regular artists could use them because, mm -hmm. um, you know, I was working at ad agencies and they'd have all this stuff. What is these tablets and, you know, <laughs> you know, iPads and, you know, what is all this stuff, you know, and I don't know what I should be doing with it, but, uh, uh Oh, what happened? Uh, you know, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing with it. And they said, well, you can do this. And they give me a little demonstration. I said, oh, that's cool. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give <laughs> me. So, you know, I'm not afraid of technology. I'm not afraid of it. Send it on. You know, I started doing 3D. I did animation. Yeah, I just did a whole bunch of stuff. You know, that's Maybe awesome. I'll send you a couple of samples. Go for it. I'd love to see them. One last question. I want to be cognizant of your time, but just because you've mentioned him so many times, did you ever meet Jack Kirby? First time I met Jack Kirby, it was over the phone. He okay. called me long distance. Wow. Jack Kirby called me long distance and told me I should go for it. I should go ahead and be an artist. I was a, you know, I was just a fan then. And I sent him some of my artwork, you know, in a, you know, in an envelope and self-addressed, stamped it, and you know, sent it over to Marvel, care of, you know, to Jack Kirby, care of Marvel Comics. Mm -hmm. And he had just moved to Thousand Oaks, California. But they got the letter to him. I'd almost forgotten about it. It took him a while. But one day my phone rings. This is back with landlines. I mean, long distance costs money, right. you know. And he just called me up and told me that he enjoyed looking at my work and told me to keep it up, you know, and everything. And I said, well, if you ever need an assistant, he said, I got Mark Evanier as my assistant. I said, damn you, Mark. <laughs> when I finally met Mark, I told him, I hate you, Mark. You had my dream job. You know, <laughs> he said, I did. I said, yeah, you were Kirby's assistant like forever. And he's like, you know, <laughs> because I said I was lucky. I said, you son of a. <laughs> no, <laughs> That's still Mark crazy, cool. though, that you're at home, your phone rings. And then there's Jack Kirby. Like, did you think someone was putting you on? Or were you like, oh, this is. Well, my father bring me the phone. He said, some guy named Jack was on the phone. And I said, Jack, I don't know any Jacks. The only Jack I know is Jack Kirby. I get on the phone and I said, hello. And he says, this is Jack Kirby. Oh, wow. And he had that, that Brooklyn thick accent. And I said, you're putting me on. He said, this is Jack Kirby. I got your artwork that you sent me from Marvel. Wow. And he gave me about two minutes, you know, and told me that he enjoyed looking at it and he thought I had what it takes and that I should maybe get into the industry. After that, nobody could tell me I wasn't getting <laughs> If the king <laughs> so says Jack Kirby tell me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you gotta say, John Ramita, you say I can't draw worth a damn. I'm gonna keep coming back and telling you. Until you finally let me in or <laughs> beg for mercy. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That yeah. is really awesome. Oh man, that was, you know, that was the, so that was the first time. And then the second time I was at the New York Comic Con. I went to one of them early con Phil Suling conventions. Okay. And Jack was just walking, looking at, and I walked up to him and I said, You're Jack Kirby. He said, Tell me something I don't know. <laughs> I'm Arvell Jones. You remember? He gave me that blank look, you know, and I said, You called me up and told me I should be a comic book artist. 
And then you told me that if I worked hard, I could be a comic book artist. And he says, so are you? I said, no, not yet. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. And he says, well, good, kid. Keep it up. I said, okay. Jack Kirby just told me to keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, awesome. He didn't remember me. And then the next time I met him, he'd come to Detroit to a convention. Mm-hmm. Him and Rod. And uh, at the time, uh, one of my club mates, you know, who's actually working with me on the newsletter, uh, Greg Thiesten said, yeah, Jack is over there. You know, I walked in the convention door and the first thing he goes, is, Jack is right over there. And I made a beeline over to him. And the convention was put on by Tom Worsikowski and uh, Mike Kucharski, the guy I mentioned earlier, the, the only guy who was really successful in advertising but he never got in the comics, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, and, and Tom was, you know, Mr. Letterer Supreme at the time working on Warlock or something, you know, some crazy. <laughs> and then at that time I ran up to Kirby and I said, I did it. I did it. And Jack looked at me like, this is crazy guy coming up to me. I said, you don't remember me from about three or four years ago and then five years ago and everything. And everything. I'm in comics. I'm working on your stuff right now, Jack. I did Thor. I did Iron Man. I'm working on your crap right now. And, you know, Jack was real cool. He looked me up and down and everything. He says, impressive. I'm glad you did it. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And shook my hand, gave me a, didn't wash that hand. Well, I haven't watched. Well, I sort of did, but Over you know, time, yeah. A, yeah, not the palm part where we touched. So I still right. got the DNA on just the hand. top part. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did you get to meet Stanley at all? Stan, I was afraid of Stan for the most really? part, you know, because you know he was so jovial and everything, and you know, but I don't know something. He's a big personality. Jack was a little more low key, mm-hmm. so you know. So I big personality Jack, but you know, uh Stan was big personality all the time. So, you know, I, I went up to him one day. This is all before the big lines and the, you know, and all the other kind of crap. And you know, Stan was walking in the convention and held the door open for me. He said, Thank you. Yeah. I said, Jack Curry, I mean, uh, Stan Lee said thank you to me. You know, I was like that. And then uh but I was too afraid to just go up and talk to him. So when I went to Marvel and my book was uh, the first uh, book I'd done was my regular series book was Iron Fist. It was Iron Fist versus Batrock. And I did an homage to Jack Kirby and, uh, uh, and uh, a stand mm-hmm. where Batrock, you know, it was like, I don't know, I did more pages and more panels than Jack did, you know, where they were just fighting back and forth. And uh, I go into Marvel and I didn't know what, the, you know, I thought that these books took three months to put out, but it seemed like only two weeks had passed. And, uh, you know, I walk in and I'm walking down the hall and I've told the story a, a few times, but maybe it's the first time on video. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I'm walking down the hall. And uh, I passed by uh, Stan's office because his office is almost the first office when you walked into Marvel back then. 
and uh, his door was open and he was on the phone. And I, I would always wave to him and sometimes he'd ignore me. Sometimes he'd give me a half-hearted wave, you know. And this time I waved at him and he just looked at me like. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it felt, you know, like all he's like way across the room, but it felt like I'm looking at one eye. <laughs> you know, he's just, and I said, gee, what is it? So I'm walking down the hall and I hear behind me, not just somebody, because I knew who it was immediately when he spoke. He said, who did this book? And I said, gee, that sounds like Stan's mad at somebody. And he said, I want to know. Who did this book? And he took a book and just kind of rolled it up. (laughs) 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 Who did this book? I want to know who did this book. And he's waving it like that. And I said, geez, he's really mad. I hate to be the person he's looking for, you know. And and I'm walking down the hall and I'm not even looking behind me because I I didn't want to have no parts of it. I didn't even want to make eye contact. You know, I was intimidated by Stan and my heart was beating like that just because he was walking behind me and he was getting louder. And then everybody in front of me, you know, looked at Stan and then looked back at me and then went, that guy. (laughs) And uh, I said, why is everybody pointing at me? You know, the editorial offices were on one side of the room and the bullpen was on the other side. And people were stepping in the hall because he's making such a ruckus. And then everybody was pointing at me. And I said, what are you pointing at me for? So I turn around and Stan is quick stepping towards me. He gets right up to my face. And I feel like, you know, I'm Peter Parker and he's J. Jonah Jameson. And he's like, did you do this book? It's all rolled up and everything. You know, did you do this book? And I'm like, Stan, I can't even see what it is you got there. I don't know what it was. I don't know. <laughs> and then he unrolls it, you know, and puts my name at eye level. And it says, is this you? And I said, yes. <laughs> I, didn't I didn't have a lot of time to do the artwork. And Tony Isabella and... Everybody was giving me job report and just handed me the book. I wasn't prepared. I, you know, and he says, This is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> this is some of the best storytelling I've seen in years. This is what I'm talking about. He opened the book up to the page. He said, I really love what you did here with Batrock and Iron Fist Fight. He reminds me of the days of me and Jack Kirby working on. Uh, Black Batrock and, uh, and Captain America. I just love how you handled this. This is great. You know, I, I love what's going on. Enough said. Excelsior. Walk away. Wow. And my heart was up here at the time. <laughs> I was being fired. And I just stood there and everybody kind of came up and started patting me on the back. And, oh, you know, all right, you know, Stan likes to work and everything. And I'm like, what just happened? I, I felt faint almost. The <laughs> 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 Stan just gave you a no prize and Stan Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs> I, <don't>, <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. 
Man, that's the day be, I was walking on clouds. Yes. I was going to say you were probably, you know, big man around there for the day. Well, that day. Yeah, and then the next day was back to normal. Yeah. <laughs> the next day it was John Purport and said, where's my book? Why are you even in here? Said, well, well, yeah, I came to pick up my check. He reached in his drawer and handed me the check. He said, here's your check. Stop fooling around and bring me the rest of them pages. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> he was, that's important. Yeah. As always. I was intimidated, intimidated by him. I remember one time me and Keith were in the office looking at all the covers. He used to have all of the new upcoming covers on his wall. Mm-hmm. Sort of like what you got behind you, but they were yeah. all covers. And we come in there and we're looking at, and then John came in his office and he, he looked at us a little annoyed, like, you know, why are you in my office? And we're looking up at these covers and everything. Man, that was a really good cover and everything. We're kind of ignoring him to a degree because we want to finish looking at the covers. And he goes and sits down. And then Keith touches one of the covers and it falls right on John's head. You know, just. (laughs) 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 And so Keith gets ready to apologize. He said, "Uh, uh, uh, sorry, uh, you know, Keith was a big man. You know, Keith was like taller than me. He was like, you know, up here somewhere. Yeah. And then Jack was, I mean, John was like way up here, you know, like <laughs> he made Keith look like a kid. And I was already looking like a kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so John stands up and goes, Shut up and get out of my office. <laughs> wow. And we were like, well, we, 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 just, sorry, he said, out. And we, you know, go ahead yeah. and go out. And then Keith has to come back in and said, John, I, I actually was here for business. You got a check for me in your drawer right there? You got a check right in your drawer? Can you get them? <laughs> he, Take the dog on. Yikes. <laughs> and we just kind of walked out like small people. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, there's one more question for you, but I'll, I'll ask it off recording. Um, I'll just edit this part and uh, okay. I'll wrap up now. But uh, I'll just say, um, that's all. So uh, how could fans reach out to you if they wanted to right now? I know you have a website, Arvell Jones. Uh, it's Arvell Art. Arvell Art. Okay. Yeah. A-R-V-E-L-L-A-R-T. Gotcha. All one word, dot com. Well, I, uh, that's the best way. Okay. Uh, it's, it's put up by uh, by my agent if you want me for uh, conventions and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, although I'm not doing any conventions this year. Okay. Uh, but uh, I'm sure when this pandemic is over, I'll be right there in there. Nice. with the rest of them but uh <laughs> for now i just gotta be a little careful makes um, sense yeah i've got some some health issues that we're huh. dealing with over here you know COVID can't be one of them no let's just skip that all together <laughs> welcome back everyone arvel really had some great stories i really enjoyed this interview Orrin. um i again one of the you know one of the few guys who i didn't really know too much about but it was a great learning experience for me uh to say the least uh, i really appreciated the the story of him basically getting his approval if you will from uh john ramita i mean how cool is that to get your start in the business 
working under someone like that. Yeah, I need to give a shout out to Mike Jones, a former guest who helped set this interview up. It was so nice of him to, to put me in touch with Arvell. And it was so nice of Arvell to take the time to speak to us. Uh, really a wonderful, wonderful guy. I want to point out that one story early on where he's talking about having a weekend with some of his compatriots to get a uh, piece of work done, like staying up all hours of the night, like working and sleeping in shifts uh, just to get the work done. Um, That is dedication. And that is uh, Arvell Jones. So that will do it for this week of Dollar Bin Bandits. Hope you enjoyed the episode this week. We got plenty more to come. So stick around and we'll see you next time. The Dollar Bin Bandits are Oren Phillips, Joe Marcello, and Mike Farah. New episodes release every Wednesday and Friday. You can find us on all the socials at Dollar Bin Bandits on Facebook and Instagram at DB Bandits on X. For more super nerdy discourse, join the Dollar Bin Banter group on Facebook. You can email us at dollarbinbandits at gmail.com. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you found this episode. It's the easiest and most helpful way to grow the show. Looking for merch? Search us up on TeePublic. And if you want to support what we do, smash that support button on our website, dollarbinbandits.buzzsprout.com. Thank you to Sean McMillan for our graphics and Pat McGrath for our logo. Thank you to our friends at Tomorrow's Publishing, T-W-O-M-O-R-R-O-W-S.com. And thank you all for listening. Until next time, banditos.